Hey there, this is Daniel. Thanks for listening to DIY Money. Now, if you haven't already, be sure to give us a five-star review so your friends know that this is a show that they can learn from. Follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. Now, enjoy this episode. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to another edition of DIY Money. DIY Money. Oh, getting crazy all up in here, Daniel. I'm bringing the flair. We need to talk about your flair. We want you to express yourself, okay? And we encourage that, okay? What's going on, D-Man? Just living the dream. It's almost spring here. Oh, well, people won't goodness. listen to this until it's actually Summer. spring. Because <laughs> we've we've got a few in the queue. Uh, this episode's airing sometime late March, so Does it's going to it, be Doesn't budding. mean we don't need questions. The, the queue, the, the question queue's a little dry. So uh, Nobody us, wants $25? Send, I don't know what's going on with that. Send us your questions. Get on the, uh, get on the iPhone, the Android. Hit us up with a little voice memo. Drop it over the email. Podcast at DIYMoney.org. Podcast at DIYMoney.org. I will say we're getting some repeats, which is okay. I think it's fine to, to uh, you know, what did Bruce Lee say? It's not the... The dangerous man who doesn't doesn't do the punch. Don't know. I've never watched a ten thousand. Doesn't know did ten thousand punches, but does one punch ten thousand times or something like that, or kick or something. You have offended my family, and you have offended a Shaolin temple. There you go. There's, that's a Bruce Lee quote for you. I just. I wouldn't know because it was Anyways, so butchered. Yeah. So uh, we don't mind to rehash some things. I think it builds a good foundation. But some of them, uh, if they if they are repeats and they're pretty too close, will. We'll just kind of point you to the to the previous podcast. I got an update though, Daniel. Do you? Yeah, I didn't quite reach the goal. What goal is that? Yet. Dun dun dun. Yet I ran the half. Uh, as many people know, that was one of my goals. It was. Uh, I guess it was for this year, but I would say it was a goal that in. Uh, the February 29th race in Jackson, Mississippi. My whole goal was to break 140. Uh, I'd never done that. I ran 141.40. Ah, wasn't quite there. Wasn't quite there. I petered out after mile 10. Uh, I'm looking at my my laps here, my my uh, breakdown uh, of my splits, and I was just rocking and rolling. And then mile 10, I just man, I fell apart. I mean, not fell apart. I went from a 750s to 810s. So you know what I love about this? But what? There's tons of non-runners or people like, who've never run a half yeah, marathon. Yeah. that are like a minute 40. That's how much you were off by. That's a, you yeah. could have just sped up a little. You know, okay. But so a minute the, 40. The, the reality is, yeah. The reality is, coming into mile 10, uh, I thought to myself, I did the math, and I said, all I have to do is break eights, and I will hit my goal. Eight minute miles. Mile 10 to 11, I did 8.10, and I went, okay, 7.50s. <laughs> then I hit my goal. I mean, my legs were toast. It was not happening. I'm I surprised you did this. math at mile 10. I, well, I just I was, want to roll I into a doing, ball. No, I was doing math the whole way. It was very important. Um, but he, he, I want to share this, and then I'll be done. And, and I'm a big, uh, and I'll give you the caveat that, it, that he's very explicit, uh, David Goggins fan. I think David Goggins is an incredible motivational individual. I am not a big fan of all the expletives, but he's very, uh, I like his message. 
he often talks about these these demons that kind of you know come come at you when you're when you're trying to achieve something and this is true in finance you know we talk a lot about this whether it's a you know the demons of of the the joneses you know or the people that are asking you to go out and you know grab dinner or grab drinks and you don't have it in the budget and you got to kind of face that demon or you're on this path that you know and you've been on it for six, nine, 12 months, and you're just, you know, yeah, you're making a little progress, but my goodness, the, the light at the end of the tunnel is so far away, and that demon comes and says, you know what, you work hard, don't worry about it, everybody's in debt, who cares? Well, I met a new demon on the run. I've, I've dealt with the demons before, the, the ones that show up and say, this is ridiculous, why are you doing this? You know, you're 40-some years old, you're in great shape, why are you trying to kill yourself? You know, mile seven, eight, nine, it is like split personality. It's amazing. I didn't face and I was prepared for those demons. Literally, I, I conditioned myself that when they came up, I knew the answers I would say. I have a goal. I want to break 140. I want to break 140 so my kids, I got fifth out in my age group. I wanted top three. I wanted my kids to see me on that podium. I want to be able to achieve that. So I had all these answers. New demon popped up. Here's what the demon said. If you don't get it now, it just gives you an excuse to train hard the rest of the year. That, I mean, literally, it was like this reverse, reverse psychology. Don't worry about reaching it now. Then you'll just have a greater uh, training season to reach your goal. It was unbelievable. I'd, I wasn't prepared for that. So I said, you're right. <laughs> I succumbed. There you go. Anyways, all right. So Enough much about inner that. dialogue. I know. But it, oh, it, that's what I love about it. I, I love that. That is what I love about it is you see, you understand this side of you that, that wants you to just quit. It doesn't matter how much shape you. I mean, you've probably experienced this in bicycling. It, it it does it. Did I say that right? Cycling. Cycling. There's no bicycling. Yeah, we shorten it. Okay. Like cycling. Insta. Insta. Uh, you know, the, you, there's this inner dialogue that just says, "Quit, quit, quit." And oh my goodness, it is it is ah oh, so tempting to just quit. So you got to push through that. All right, enough of this. I I appreciate your uh, uh, willingness to listen. Uh, so until we can get to our great question from Eloise today. Which is a good one. It's a little bit open-ended, but uh, I think it's an important subject matter nonetheless that we will have an opinion on. So, without further ado, Eloise, what do you got? D-I-Y! Hey guys, I'm Eloise from Jacksonville, Florida. My husband and I purchased an old house last year with the intention of doing renovations within the next three years. My question is, is there a maximum amount I should be spending on renovations? What are your thoughts? Okay, Daniel, I have, uh, I think we both, to a degree, have renovated homes. I have certainly, I've renovated two uh, and have some good experience in that. Uh, I know you you did some some renovations in your previous home. Uh, so what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, we bought a 100-year-old home, and uh, it wasn't our intention to do a lot of renovating, and then we just had to keep maintaining this 100-year-old house. So Which we ultimately out. sold. Yeah, so <laughs> like, it worked out. Bounce. Uh, but it wasn't any, like... It wasn't any uh, HGTV-style renovations. It was like, fix things from breaking constantly. So be careful buying old houses because uh, old things tend to break. Uh, Anyhow, so the answer to is there a limit to what you should spend on a renovation is yes. All right, good podcast. Um, No, but... uh, You are (laughs) on a roll today. Wow. Well, so there wasn't a lot of data here. So as a financial planner, you actually like to have some context to that question. But... uh, yeah, there, there is a limit that you might want to spend on renovations. And the way that you might want to go about 
I guess, researching what that limit ought to be for you is take a look at what you paid for the house. Take a look at what's going on in the neighborhood that you're in. Because initially, one of the things that you might want to avoid, you don't have to, uh, it's up to you depending on how long you're going to stay in the house. But one thing that you might want to avoid is via renovations and going like super HGTV on your house, essentially outpricing the neighborhood into such a point that you're never going to recoup that investment. Now, if you love renovating, if you love sort of getting that house to that place and you anticipate staying there 10 to 15 years, you don't know what's going to happen in life. But if you can kind of fairly anticipate you'll be there long enough for it to pay off in a sort of qualitative way to you, like quality of life versus the quantitative, we're going to recoup our investment, then it might be okay to slightly outprice the neighborhood. But generally speaking, at least know the data and know that if you do that, you might not get that money back. And what I mean there is if you, uh, if the houses in your neighborhood generally sell for around $150,000 for the same square footage you're in, we're just using really low ball round numbers to make it simple. You bought a house for a hundred thousand. You probably don't want to put in more than 50 or 60,000 in renovating it and making it look nice. Cause if you do, uh, and you go to sell it, even though it looks really nice, it's going to, the sticker price is going to make people feel like they're just not getting a deal for the neighborhood you're in. So roughly speaking, that's what I'm referring to. Now, I'm going to let Quint come back with the sort of the, the budgeting and the making sure you have your emergency funds and things like that before you go into this whole renovation process. But as far as just answering the simple question of, is there a lid that you should spend? Yes, it's either based upon your savings or based upon the neighborhood you're in. If you exceed those, know that you're doing it and realize why you're doing it and realize that you might lose out on some cash on the back end. All right, here's what I want to follow up with. Daniel hit exactly what I was going to talk about, the notes that I had written down meticulously prior to this podcast. I didn't even peek at all those outspending, notes either. Outspending the area. But this is what I want to get sort of through uh, to folks who listen to this because this correlates with this whole dis- discussion about owning versus renting. And one of the challenges that I think people have a problem with is discerning whether or not this is your investment or your or your home or both. Now, what do I mean by that? Because it's this common assumption, oh, Quint, it's an investment. I'm going to tell you something right now. If you have this idea that you're going to buy a home and it's going to be a great investment for you, you are going to be sadly, sadly disappointed. It, it is not going to happen. The, the textbooks and the academic uh, uh, research on this comes from the, the 50s and the 60s when we had this movement with the baby boomer generation moving out into the suburbs and buying and, and, and uh, starting and building homes in the twenty dollars to $30,000 area. They held those homes for 30, 40, 50 years, paid off long, long ago, and ultimately sold those homes to the $150,000 to $200,000 buyer, okay? That's not going to happen again. And you go, I say, Quint, you're crazy. That's hap- that's, I'm just telling you, it's not going to happen. I, I mean, we have overbuilt. We are overbuilding in this country and as a result of these interest rates, it's going to continue to progress in that manner. 
there is going to be an abundance of housing. And you can throw any statistic you want at me about the the number of people moving and the millennials who aren't buying and the millennials who are now buying and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. I'm telling you that the that the capitalist movement in our country, due to ridiculously low interest rates, and I mean, now we're seeing a 10-year treasury as we produce this podcast under a percent. I got a quote the other day on a 30-year mortgage to, to uh, refinance a commercial loan at, at around 3%, which is unheard of. If I wanted to do 15, it'd be like two and nothing. I mean, it's just unbelievable. So the idea that you're going to buy a home and somehow see this appreciable, appreciable value, appreciable, appreciable, whatever, appreciating value over the years, I think you got to get that out of your mind. If you make money on it, that's gravy. But what you have to look at this from the context of is the cost benefits of owning versus renting. We just wrote at length about this. It's on the blog, DIYMoney.org. It's on the the pod or the Facebook general page. It's on the DIY tribe page. It's on my personal. I mean, I took a very long, in-depth look, both from a 30-year and a 55-year perspective of the of the differentiating math behind owning versus renting. Okay. Now, Eloise, I have approached this in two manners. The first was a uh, a renovation of a home that I poorly purchased in Florida. And I renovated always with the idea in my mind of what I was spending and what I was making sure I didn't overspend in in regards to what Daniel was saying, which was the neighborhood. So quotes and what we did and what we didn't do was always put in context of, okay, what can I sell this house for? What is the neighborhood uh, value? What is And that's all based on probably per square footage. So you might have to do some research and, and sort of not overspend. Now, here's the mistake I made. I did it based on values at the time which were exceedingly higher than they were just a few years later. What I should have done is I should have said, okay, here's the value as it is today. What if it dropped 20%? That's the value I don't want to overspend. That was a lesson learned by yours truly. Won't repeat again. Not going to do it. Wouldn't be prudent at this juncture. (laughs) That's number one. Number two, the second time we did this, we bought a house at a significant discount. We got that through through basically an estate sale, and my eye was towards renovating over several years, very similar to your situation. Now, I will tell you, my idea was, and this is what I went into it with, we are going to more than likely outspend this neighborhood And we are going to be here for a very long, long time, maybe forever. So I didn't care. It didn't make one bit of difference to me. Now, I know that that's maybe not the financial sane type of approach because you might you don't want to, you know, be putting in a hundred thousand dollar kitchen in in a neighborhood that that's not certainly ever going to support that. But what we did is when we looked to do a renovation, whether it was putting a roof or HVAC or whatever it was. I always looked, I said, okay, I'm, I'm, I need to do a new HVAC. I need to do, I want to put new windows in. I didn't buy the, you know, the best of the best, 
But I didn't I didn't skimp either. I didn't say, well, oh my goodness, if I do this, then the the dollar amount, et cetera, you know, it's not gonna be there. Now I will tell you, fast forward, we were in that house for 10 years. And we ended up selling. Now we got a very nice price uh, because we caught the upswing in the market, but we had a renovated kitchen, a renovated living room, a renovated, you know, the guts were great. I had done the HVAC, the roof, the windows, I mean, you name it. And we were able to sell that very, very quickly and got, didn't make a lot of money. I, I think I'm going to be very clear. I didn't look at that and go, oh, I didn't make a lot of money. No, but we didn't lose. We basically got out of it what we put in it. And I never once thought, to, I had people say, wow, you're really outspending. I don't care. doesn't matter. I'm going to be here for a very long time. Now, getting back to your question, and we'll wrap this up. If you are going into this saying, we're going to renovate in three years and flip this house, then you have to be very conscious of what Daniel's talking about in regards to what the neighborhood is, what the square footage is. And I would warn you to do it on values that might be 90 to 80% of what they are currently. That will give you a margin of safety. If, however, this is your homestead forever, then I would take the other approach and I would say, make the renovations as you see fit, save for those renovations and pay for those renovations in cash over time. And that's what we did. We did it over time. I think it took us four or five years to renovate that house, maybe even longer. Pay for those over time in cash. Don't go in extra debt to do so. And don't worry about it. But it's got to be within the budget. It's got to be something that you're saving for. So I would approach it from those two areas, depending on what your goal and objective is. If, however, you're sitting there going, we can't do either because we got to do this on credit. We got to do this on debt. I'd, I'd look to plunk a for sale sign in that front yard and get out of that thing as quickly as possible because you're going down a road that's going to be financially devastating or financially challenging to you. You're going to end up uh, making uh, backward strides instead of forward strides, which you do not want to do. Anything else to add, Daniel? I think we covered most of it. Covered most of it. Spent a long time talking about the run, so I appreciate that. Eloise, that was a really good question. Will, the intern, will send you an Amazon gift card. I'm Will, the intern. 25 bones you can use maybe for the Amazon basic stuff for your house renovation. All she did was send us a, a voicemail question via her smartphone, dropped it at podcast at DIYmoney.org, podcast at DIYmoney.org. If she doesn't already, she's going to follow us on Instagram, that's DIY.money, and probably join the Facebook group, The DIY Tribe, The DIY Tribe. All right, friends, remember, the secret to wealth is very simple. Live on less than you make. Invest the rest. Do it for a very long time time. Make it a great one. Thanks for listening to this episode of the show. If you want content delivered to you regularly, be sure to follow us on Instagram at DIY.money. And if you want your question aired on the show, be sure to send that to us and you'll get a $25 Amazon gift card. This show is for entertainment and educational purposes only and is not intended as personal financial advice. Before making any financial decision, please do your homework and consult a financial advisor as needed.